Vancouver. This is part of our summer sessions as we work our way to the end of August. It's a presentation, as always, of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. And it's a solo show this week. It's me. It's J-Pat. That's it. It's like rink-wide unplugged, kind of. It's me and it's you and... There's a lot of ground to cover because I've been away for a couple of weeks. That's what happens in the summertime, vacations and such. So I haven't had a chance to address the pious suitor signing by the Vancouver Canucks. I want to touch on that a little bit later on. I was worried about topics because it had been pretty quiet on the Canuck front since that suitor signing. What's that been? 10 days or so. But then... Elias Pettersson broke his silence, and that kind of changed everything, and that's good for guys in our business. So uh, we're certainly going to get to what EP40 had to say to Elliot Friedman and other media members on that NHL, NHLPA uh, media tour over in Stockholm, because up until the EP40 quotes, it looked like... <laughs> you can just tell it's the dog days of summer when the big story is Oliver Ekman Larson. Remember him? Uh, selling his house on the west side and people are freaking out and you know we're getting the full listings and like massive write-ups about the kind of house and look the guy made a lot of money like it shouldn't be a surprise like I saw comments in in social spaces like people were surprised that Oliver Ekman Larson was living large he's a professional athlete he was making a ton and he can afford it so, I, I don't know, I was a little surprised, but I, I'll admit, I looked at the pictures. It's a pretty nice pad, and uh, I don't know if he used Jason Hominick. Uh, he should have, uh, and whoever buys the house from OEL uh, should use Jason Hominick as well uh, to get their mortgage. But uh, whatever the case, OEL's gone. I'm sure he's hoping one of these days that his house will be off the market and he can fully turn the page as he gets ready to report to training camp with the Florida Panthers. We're about a month away from training camp for the Vancouver Canucks, so the countdown is on. It's still August, but uh, uh, we'll get, I mean, young stars before training camp, obviously, and uh, let's hope that everything in the Okanagan, man, uh, let's hope that that's settled by the time young stars rolls around, but certainly thinking of everybody that's been put through uh, the grinder in the Okanagan for the last uh, 10 days or so with the wildfires there. Uh, let's get to Elias Pettersson and his comments. And again, the ones that I'm referring to uh, were made to Elliot Friedman. I know that uh, there were other media members there. They had a chance to talk to, to Petey as well. Uh, but for the most part, the, the, the quotes that are making the rounds. Uh, and of course, I mean, look, I mean, this was a big storyline through the summer months that, uh, you know, people were hopeful that uh, he could, uh, the Canucks and, and Pettersson, and his camp could come to an agreement, get an extension done, but it certainly had been quiet on that front. So I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that uh, he is not under contract beyond this season. But we just we hadn't heard from the Canucks side of things, really hadn't heard an awful lot. Uh, J.P. Barry spoke uh, uh, you know, right after free agency and said it was going to be a while. So I don't think there was really a massive surprise that there haven't been huge developments. But you know, when the player himself... Uh, sits down for an interview, of course. People are going to listen and they're going to hang on every word. You know, for me, it wasn't so much the part about not wanting to rush into anything. And, you know, I'm delighted to hear that he's focused solely on, you know, being in the best shape possible and hitting the ground running, uh, all that kind of stuff. The quote that really jumped out at me, and then it became even more of an issue later in the day when Austin Matthews and his contract was announced, was Pedersen talking about the fact that, you know, he was still mulling over this notion of long-term versus short-term. And then Austin Matthews goes and breaks the bank and sets NHL records and gets 13 and a quarter from the Maple Leafs. But it was the four-year term. And 
you know, quite frankly, I, I like the way that Austin Matthews has gone about his business. A five-year deal follows it up with a four-year contract. You know, there are a lot of people that are saying, like, you know, secure the bag. Get everything you can that's on the table. And I, look, I'm a guy that likes structure. I understand that way of thinking. And if Elias Pedersen wanted to, I'm sure he could sign an eight-year contract today. But we all know that the salary cap is going up. So uh, if you're Pedersen in his camp, it, it stands to reason that you'd want to wait and you'd want to see what the playing field looks like. So, you know, I, I'm not anticipating that there's going to be a deal and any kind of announcement for a while now. That I think the message in those quotes from Elias Pedersen was, look, he's coming to camp in the best shape of his life. He's excited about some of the moves that they have made here in the offseason. But he wants to see what he's signing up for. And how can you blame the guy? Like, he's given them a 102-point season last year. He's been a point-a-game guy, basically, to that point in his career. And then he exploded last year. And they just they haven't surrounded him with enough talent to get back to the playoffs. So uh, I don't blame him at all. And it wouldn't surprise me, ultimately, if Elias Pettersson, when he gets around to signing, kind of goes the Austin Matthews route. And that is, you know, if he sees progress from the organization, if he sees that things are moving in the right direction, then, you know, commit for four years... In Pedersen's case, that would be his 25 through 29-year-old seasons. Like, you would think that's the the meat, like the absolute statistical prime of his career. But it would allow him the same flexibility. Like, when Austin Matthews, when this next contract is up, he'll be 30. If he then wants to lock into, like, a long-term contract, it'll still be there, that option. And it would be there in Toronto. But at that point... Maybe he wants to move on and try somewhere else. And then he like he's, he's building flexibility for himself into the contract. And I think that that's something that Elias Pettersson may very well look at. So, uh, yeah, for me, it was that was the comment. Like That was the money quote was this idea that short term is still something that he's he's looking at. So it's not all about securing the bag in terms of eight years and, you know, 11 or maybe now 12 million bucks. Uh, he's getting paid wherever he goes. He knows that. But if it's about winning, then it's about putting himself in the best position and keeping as much flexibility as possible for him, whether it's here in Vancouver or, you know, going the Matthew Kachak or Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, route eventually and forcing a trade out of town and trying to find greener pastures elsewhere. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about you know, are, are you scared? Are you worried? I, I wouldn't go there yet. I, I do think that Elias Pedersen likes Vancouver. I think uh, he likes a lot of his teammates. And as I said, the quote suggested he's encouraged by what this organization has done here in terms of trying to beef up its defense core, uh, its penalty kill, you know, third line center with the addition of Pius Suter. And we'll talk more about Suter uh, a little later on here. But whatever the case, you know, it's funny because when Sebastian Ajo signed his deal in Carolina, what, a month ago now, and it was at 9.75, and people kind of thought, okay, there's a baseline for Elias Pedersen. He's had better individual seasons, higher goal totals, higher point totals. Uh, he's done more at a younger age. You know, 9.75 would set the the floor, I suppose. And I think most people thought that Pedersen would be pushing something in the neighborhood of 10, 10 and a half. Well, again... Now you look at Austin Matthews, and, and Elias Pettersson is not Austin Matthews. He's not at Austin Matthews' level in terms of goal scoring. Uh, he hasn't had the repeated success uh, that Austin Matthews has had, like, year over year over year. Like, Austin Matthews scored 60 once and has hit 40 goals, I think, four other times. Elias Pettersson got to 39 goals and 102 points. 
you know, if he backs it up, then absolutely uh, he's going to be able to command uh, a ton. I I just wonder, like, does the Austin Matthews thing push the limit for superstars in terms of if Pedersen, you know, if the thinking was 11 would be on the high end for him, if he can back up last season with another one, like, could he push into the 12s? Now, the 12s are interesting because Connor McDavid's at 12 and a half. Nathan McKinnon's new deal kicks in at 12.6 million bucks. And again, Elias Patterson isn't in that company yet. He doesn't have the individual statistics. He doesn't have the individual hardware. Uh, McKinnon's a Stanley Cup champ. McDavid's a repeated heart trophy winner. We talked about Austin Matthews. You know, one of the most dangerous goal scorers in the National Hockey League. So I'm sure the Canucks would counter, look, you're not in McDavid's area code. You're just not. Uh, and it would be hard for the Pedersen camp to counter. But, you know, the salary cap's going up. Markets do change. This is a flexible, like, that's how Nathan McKinnon was able to squeeze past Connor McDavid. And McDavid, when his deal's up, uh, he'll set the bar uh, again. But, you know, it, this is going to be fascinating. And I do think that this is why you hold out. If you're the player, you know, you want to see what comparables do, what they're able to do for the marketplace. And again, Elias Pettersson's not at Austin Matthews level, but he's in the conversation. He was a top 10 scorer in the National Hockey League last year. So it's going to be fascinating to see where all of this goes with Elias Pettersson. Uh, I just like the fact that he is dialed in and ready to go. Uh, you know, and he's putting some pressure on the team, but in the same sentence, there is pressure on Elias Pettersson. Make no mistake. Platform year for him. And if this team is going to have a decent start, he's going to be a big part of it. And he has to be a big part of it. And, you know, this is a guy that in the year that Travis Green got fired, ultimately, in the 25 games, the start of two seasons ago, Pedersen was coming off the wrist injury. Uh, you know, he missed training camp with his contract situation. And, and then after the fact admitted that the contract sort of weighed more on him than he ever imagined it was going to. And now he's a couple years older. He's seen a few things. He should be in a place to better process all of that. So I hope for him it's not a distraction. But you know that if he struggles out of the gate individually, and if he does, then pretty good chance that the team will as well, uh, people are going to question, you know, is the contract weighing on him? Is it a distraction? Is it a problem? And so that's where I come back to, you know, this team has made these changes in the offseason. They think they're better. I think they're better. But one thing to say it in late August, and another obviously for them to start prove it uh, on October the 11th when they face the Oilers in the first of back-to-backs, and man, like, they have to. You talk about must win. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to even say it, but they have to find a way to get a victory out of those two games against the Oilers. You can imagine this market if they go 0-2 against a divisional opponent right off the gate and the second of the two is in Edmonton and then from there they're going east out on a road trip. Uh, after what we've seen the last bunch of years, this team has to, has to get off to a decent start. I'm not going to say they have to be world beaters. They don't have to be leading the league, but they cannot fall behind and play catch-up. Uh, they've they've learned. It's just way too hard to do that. So, uh, I mean, that storyline is going to be explored uh, all through camp and in through the preseason as well. Uh, But there is no doubt that uh, until he puts pen to paper, the Liz Patterson contract saga, you know, it's not going anywhere either. And certainly from his comments this week, it sounds like uh, he's going to start into the season without a new contract. So we'll see how all of that goes. And of course, we'll be following that. Uh, we won't be the only ones that will be one of the big stories in this market, uh, without a doubt. 
Uh, I'm going to touch on the Pius Suter signing in a sec. Also, I had some fun at the Hockey News earlier this week. I wrote a piece uh, where I kind of came up with 10 projections or predictions and, and asked you, the reader, to pick the over or the under. And we'll kind of run through that one quickly as well. Rinkwai Vancouver is a presentation of the Applewood Auto Group, the official auto partner of Rinkwide. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, a pre-owned vehicle, Applewood's got all sorts of vehicles uh, and inventory on their lot, so check them out. Applewood Auto Group stands behind its mission of creating lasting change in our community. Get the best in-class experience only the Applewood Auto Group can deliver. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Bodog. Uh, we wondered when the Canucks signed Teddy Bluger if they were done. And I think uh, certainly on Rinkwide, we talked about the fact that look, Bluger has a role to play on this hockey club. Uh, the price point, one-year deal, like all of that. That's fine. This guy can come in and he can help, but doesn't profile as you know, a true third-line center on a on a really good hockey club that there's just not enough offense. There really has never been enough offense there that, you know, he could be a penalty killer. He can win some face-offs for you, late in games, all that type of stuff. But, you know, in the event, and uh, tune away if you don't want to even hear, uh, the idea of an injury to uh, Elias Pettersson or JT Miller, you're not replacing those guys, but you do have to fill their spot in the lineup and you'd like to have somebody that profiles with a little more offense. And so good on the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they stuck with it and it sounded like, you know, they were willing to go the second year uh, where maybe some other teams weren't. Uh, Pius Suter is a guy that I think has had to prove himself in all three years in the National Hockey League. And yet you look at the numbers and they're there, like 14 or 15 goals. Doesn't blow you away, but it's not single digits either. And so, you know, I, I think that there is some offense there, but also a uh, nice two-way profile. Uh, again, a guy that's done some penalty killing uh, in Detroit. And, you know, I, I, look, I, he's a better option offensively than Teddy Bluger. And so if you're one of the wingers that isn't going to get a chance to play with Pedersen or Miller, you know, now that third line doesn't have to be a black hole for the Vancouver Canucks when it comes to offense. And so... You know, if that's Connor Garland who finds himself on the third line, this would be the best third line center that he's played with in his time as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. And then we're talking about, you know, probably, although we'll have to wait for training camp of the preseason, but, you know, maybe a Vasily Pod Colson on the left side there or Nils Hoaglander or somebody else. All of a sudden, like, there's the makings of a decent third line, certainly better uh, than they have had over the last couple of years. And so uh, all of a sudden you're talking, you've got some options. 
And I just like at the price point, 1.6 doesn't break the bank. Like, yes, the Canucks are walking this tightrope in terms of the salary cap and, and the Tanner Pearson. We really haven't had an update on Tanner Pearson in the last couple of weeks, but you know, the last report was that he was trending towards coming to training camp and being a player, and that could complicate matters for the Vancouver Canucks, but they can still be over the cap right now. Uh, that's fine. They have to be compliant on opening night, and so we'll see if there's some juggling that has to be done. Other injuries happen. It's a contact sport, so you know nobody's got a crystal ball. Um, but I just think for the next couple of years to get Pius Suter, you know, bring him in. You're getting a guy at 27. Like you know, if you're making bets on players, like these are the years. This isn't a 33 or 34 year old guy, and maybe there's even some upside there offensively. Like he broke into the NHL on a bad Chicago team, went to Detroit. You know, not exactly world beaters either. And we know that the Canucks' offense hasn't been the issue for them. They've got to tidy up defensively. Uh, I think he can be a big help, but maybe he benefits just the environment that he's in. Uh, maybe there's more to give offensively. And we talked about uh, some of those players that he, he may potentially play with. You know, Maybe he could take a run at... Uh, 20 goals probably seems like a, a stretch for a guy that's I mean, three years and it's been consistent, but it's always been in that 15 range. I just wonder, can he be a 35 or 40 point guy? Uh, you know, to me, that's the good teams separate themselves with third line centers that can produce 35 or, or 40 points. So we'll see where it goes with Pius Suter, but uh, without a doubt. And look, like before they signed Suter, I already liked the way that the Canucks had addressed the offseason. They were never going to be in on the big fish, and not that this was a great year, but Dmitry Orlov and you know Tyler Bertuzzi, those kinds of players, Michael Bunting, uh, you know they did what they could with the money that they had, and they clearly addressed one of the biggest areas of need, and that was the penalty kill. and And the offshoot there is a lot of it was defensive help with Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, and you know I include Philip Ronick in offseason additions only because he played four games and. You know, nobody's really seen him here in Vancouver. Uh, but I, I, it's funny because anybody that's listened to Rinkwide knows, like we charted the the penalty kill on a nightly basis after every game. You know, are they at 70%? And for the last couple of seasons, you know, it's been a struggle for them to even see 70%. And ultimately they did crest 70% and they finished just a shade over 71%. And, and under Rick Tockett, their penalty kill was better but it was still bottom third in the National Hockey League over the, the 36 games that Rick Talk and Adam Foote were, were behind the bench. So there's a ton of room for improvement. Honestly, I'm excited. Like, I am excited to see with a healthy Thatcher Demko, the new additions, you know, what does this penalty kill do and how much of it... The penalty kill sunk them on so many nights. Like, it could be game-changing for them if they could be even league average to go from 32nd in the NHL and 31st the year before that you know, get to league average. I'm not asking them to be a top 10 penalty kill, but I, if they could be league average, like that could result in a handful of victories just in and of itself, not losing and shooting yourself in the foot uh, with the league's worst penalty kill. And so uh, Teddy Bluger is going to be a part of that, that defense group we talked about. And now you add Pius to the mix. And, you know, it, it gives Rick Tockett and his coaching staff options Elias Patterson and JT Miller were pretty dynamic duos, penalty killers, under Tockett, like since the coaching change, they led the NHL in shorthanded goals. I'm not saying take them off the penalty kill entirely, but maybe you back them off a little bit. You know, you find spot duty that they don't have to be the first guys out against the other team's best penalty killers, but, you know, maybe there's a threat of a counterattack that 
as the first unit is, you know, nearing a minute of power play work, maybe you can get somehow get Pedersen and Miller out against a tired first unit or against second unit guys, and they can go to town and spend parts of their penalty killing shifts in the offensive zone and generate some offense that way. Uh, you know, so I, I really fascinated. Maybe it's just me, but like honestly, of all the things and all the changes. Uh, for the Vancouver Canucks starting into the season. The penalty kill is right up. If not at the top of my list, it is damn close of the things that I'm excited to see. You know, what does it look like? What can it do? And ultimately, how much impact can it have on helping the Vancouver Canucks move in the right direction? So um, I like the Pius Suter signing. I like the price point. Again, I, I think that there's some value to be extracted out of a contract like that one. And at his age, he comes in... Uh, you know, they should be able to get a couple of good years out of him. And, and not that he can't be here for longer than two years, but, you know, again, this management group was able to uh, operate this summer without giving out a lot of term. Carson Soucy got three years, but I can live with that as well uh, at the age that he is, because you should be getting three of his best years statistically. And again, uh, the position that he plays, you know, a stay-at-home defenseman, big and physical uh, I think he can give you three pretty good years uh, for the term of that contract. So, again, uh, penalty kill, going to be fascinating. Susie obviously, is going to be a big part of that. I mentioned earlier that, and I had been away, uh, family vacation, so, uh, you know, I kind of checked out of the hockey world a little bit. You got to do that from time to time. Uh, when I got back, though, I kind of had things rattling around in my brain, and I, I wrote a piece at the Hockey News uh, just coming up with 10 scenarios for the upcoming season and basically putting a number to them and then the object of the exercise was over or under. Uh, things like Thatcher Demko starts and I pegged the line at 57 and a half. I'm going under on that one. And I hope that the Vancouver Canucks have learned with Demko that you know you just can't run them into the ground. I mean, they're going to play them a lot early on, I think, the importance of that fast start. But I do think that the emergence of Arthur Silovs gives them an option that they that they didn't have until the second half of last season. But he's there now. Uh, he's experienced the Worlds. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the backup battle. But, you know, if Demko goes down, I think they bypass Spencer Martin and they give the net to Arthur Silovs this year and see what he can do with it. Uh, but I still think, like, if this is about making the playoffs for the Vancouver Canucks, A, you make the playoffs. That's the primary objective. But y- you want... Thatcher Demko to be able to perform in the playoffs as well. So I think they have to monitor his workload. And, you know, you saw Bubble Demko uh, the last time the Canucks were in the playoffs. You know what's cap- what he's capable of. Uh, I think more could be, or less could be more in the short term in terms of the regular season, in term, you know, so that he's ready to go uh, if and when they get to the playoffs. Uh, Leas Pedersen points. I pegged the number at 97 and a half. And, for the reasons we talked about earlier, motivated platform year, uh, reached sort of that superstar status last year, but, you know, has to show that it wasn't just one year. So I'm taking the over there. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much higher than 102 he could go. I guess if the line's at 97 and a half, he doesn't even have to get to 102 uh, to hit the over. Uh, but I do think that he can repeat what he did last year. I think there's room for him to grow on the power play. Uh, interested to see what the power play looks like without Jason King and maybe more input from the players themselves. Uh, I mentioned the penalty kill. 
I'm setting the line at 78 and a half, and I'm going over. Like, I, I do think that what has been a weakness for this hockey club for a bunch of years could potentially be a strength. Um, maybe I'm overselling there, but I am taking the over at 78 and a half. Again, 78 and a half is uh, nothing. You know, you're not having a parade because your penalty kills at 78 and a half. But when it was in the 60s for most of the last couple of seasons, 78 and a half certainly seems like it would represent uh, a significant upgrade. So take the over on that one. Uh, Vasily Podkolz and goals. And I got a fair bit of feedback to the column on this one. I had him at 14 and a half. Now, he got to 14 as a rookie. And then we know last year didn't play a lot. Uh, certainly didn't score an awful lot. But the Canucks need one of him or Hoaglander to bounce back and be everyday, not just players, but contributors. And so taking a bit of a flyer here, um, you know, from that 2019 draft class, guys like Matthew Boldy, Cole Caulfield have sort of lapped Pod Colson. I, I don't want to see him fall any further off the pace here. 14 and a half might be a big ask. Don't know where he's going to play in the lineup, but I'm going over that one's just a hunch there, but I'm taking the over that Vasily Podkolzin, who has stuck around and apparently training hard, is a dad now, um, you know, playing for more than just himself, playing for his family. Uh, I'm going with the over, but uh, that one may come back to haunt me. We'll see. Connor Garland, games played as a Canuck. I put the line at 41 and a half, basically half the season. Will he be here past the midway mark of the season? Uh, I suppose injuries could factor into whether he reaches that number, but let's, for the sake of this argument, say that he stays healthy. I'm taking the over. They've been trying to move him. There's still three years left on the contract. Uh, You know, hasn't hit 20 goals as a Canuck yet. So we know that there haven't been takers around the National Hockey League. Uh, I think he is here, and I think he could be in the best position that he has been in yet uh, in Vancouver in terms of where he plays in the lineup, and he should get some... Second unit power play time. Don't know who's going to make up that second unit, but uh, Garland certainly should be a part of it. So uh, go with the over on the games played. Canucks wins 42 and a half. They had 38 last year. Healthy Thatcher Demko, I think, can get them a bunch of wins. Uh, The penalty kill, I think, could produce some wins that they didn't get last year. So maybe a bold prediction, but I'm taking the over on 42 and a half. It may not be many more than 42.5, but uh, in terms of wins on the year, yeah, I'm going over uh, for the Canucks. Number of Canuck goalies to appear in at least one game, and I set the line at 3.5. I took the under because if it's over, it means that they have gone deeper than Demko, Martin, and Silovs. Now, last year, Colin Delia was in the mix as well, and that was part of the problem. Demko went down, and they just didn't have enough goaltending uh, to hold down the fort. So... I took the under because I, I want Thatcher Demko to stay healthy and play and play a lot. Um, I'm not ruling out the fact that they could go out and find depth goaltending if they absolutely had to. But if they do, then something has gone sideways in terms of uh, the master plan when it comes to goaltending. So I'm taking the under there and we'll say that three guys will appear in games for the Vancouver Canucks this year. Tyler Myers. Will he play a game for the Vancouver Canucks in calendar year 2024? Obviously, into the final year of his contract. We know about the signing bonus that's coming up. Uh, There's been so much trade talk about Tyler Myers. And yet, when you look at the right side of the Vancouver Canucks defense, uh, fairly thin. After Philip Ronick, we'll see who's playing his offside, whether it's Ian Cole or Carson Soucy. 
Um, but, you know, Kyle Burroughs isn't here anymore. And Ethan Bear is in limbo with the shoulder injury. You know, I think Tyler Myers is going to start the year as the third-pair guy for the Vancouver Canucks. I do think that he's going to be replaced on the penalty kill. So I think his role will be reduced that, you know, he's going to be limited basically to five-on-five time. But again, maybe less is more when it comes to Tyler Myers. Just play at even strength. You know, doesn't have to be a hero. Uh, See who he's playing with. I think it's more likely he gets moved closer to the trade deadline. You hope that there's a team that sees him as a veteran, right shot, mobile guy, experienced, good in the room, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think Tyler Myers sticks around into the new year, and I say, yes, he will play a game for the Canucks in 2024. Quinn Hughes' assists set the line at 71.5. Now, he had 69 last year, and I don't like to bet against Quinn Hughes because all this guy does is produce, but... And I pointed this out in my piece. Since he was born, in Quinn Hughes' lifetime, he was born in 1999, there have been two defensemen that have reached the 70 assist mark. Like, it doesn't happen very often. Eric Carlson was one last year, Roman Yossi uh, the year before. So Quinn Hughes was knocking on the door. I mean, he was doing things that basically nobody else has been doing in his lifetime. But I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under on 71 and a half. Now that leaves the door open that he could get to 70. Um, but I just, you know, I, it's such a lofty number. And again, I don't like to bet against him. And I'm sure he'd love to prove me and anybody else that takes the under wrong. Um, but I'm going under with Quinn Hughes. I, he'll have a massive total. He'll, have, he'll probably set another franchise record and, you know, erase his own records in the record books. He'll do that over and over again. Uh, but when it comes just to, to assists on the season, I'm taking the under on 71 and a half. And then the last one was number of 40 goal scorers on the team this year. And the line was at one and a half. I'm going under. Uh, both Kuzmenko and Pedersen got to 39 last year. So they didn't have a 40 goal scorer on the team last year. I think Pedersen will get there. Again, I think the power play alone. Uh, he had six power play goals last year. I think he easily could get that to double digits, could double his goal total on the power play. Uh, there's ways that he'll get to 40. Kuzmenko, it's, uh, everybody knows about the percentages and regression. And I, I do think that some of that's going to set in for him. He could still score a bunch. He could get to 35, but I'm taking the under on one and a half 40 goal scores. I think PD gets there. I'm not so sure about Andre Kuzmenko. All right. Uh, Bodog's got some lines and some futures for the upcoming season. We'll touch on those as we wrap things up here. Uh, before we do, though, uh, I want to talk about uh, Jason Hominick, uh, our mortgage man here at Rinkwide Vancouver. And, you know, the market is heating up again, and there's so much you need to know when you're getting into the housing market. And these aren't things that you expect to know. He's the pro, he's the expert. Reach out, get him on your side because the banks. I'm telling you, they're in it for themselves. They don't rack up these record profits quarter after quarter after quarter by having your best interests at heart. They may tell you they do, but they don't. But you want the knowledge and the expertise of a guy like Jason Hominick on your side and he tell you what you need to know about getting pre-approved and finding the best product for you, fixed or variable, all those types of things. He's got the answers. He's there to talk and uh, he's helped Rinkwide listeners already and he wants to help you as well. So reach out to Jason Hominick at jason.org. Mortgage, you're listening to Rink Wide Vancouver.
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Free Quiet Vancouver, Jay Pat with you here, uh, running solo this week on the program. Thanks for hanging in there with us as uh, we all count things down to the start of. The hockey season, and you can sort of feel it in the air. And I see a story about Troy Stetcher running a a pro camp uh, in honor of his late father uh, next week out in Richmond, and some of the Canucks, J.T. Miller, Thatcher Demko, among those that uh, will be taking part in supporting that. It's open to the public, so uh, you might want to check that out if you absolutely need your your hockey fix. We were talking about Austin Matthews earlier on the program. Uh, I see Bodog's got some futures out about goal totals in the National Hockey League. Bodog is putting the line right now at 51 and a half for Austin Matthews. This is a guy that's got to 60 in his NHL career. 51 and a half for Austin Matthews. They've got Connor McDavid pegged at 54 and a half. I found this one interesting. David Pasternak, he has 60 goals last year. They've set the line on Pasternak at 47 and a half. Now, yeah, there've been some changes in Boston. But it's still Boston. It's still a really good team. And Pasternak plays a ton. Featured guy on the power play. I There might be a drop, but 47 and a half. I think I'm hammering the over on that one. Uh, just to bring it a little closer to home with the Vancouver Canucks, I mentioned Thatcher Demko. Bodog's got lines for a lot of the starting goaltenders in the National Hockey League as well. Uh, this one felt a little bit low to me. They've got Thatcher Demko pegged at 27 and a half victories on the season. Now, you know, if you look at his year last year, obviously terrible start for him in the hockey club. Then he got hurt, and then he came back and down the stretch looked like his former self, and racked up wins at an alarming rate. Quite frankly, too many wins in the eyes of a lot of people. Um, but I'm looking at Thatcher Demko more in the neighborhood of like 34 or 35. Um, if the Canucks are going to be a playoff team, like simple math, and I, I don't know, this is just something I've always kind of worked with as a formula. You know, 35 wins from your starter, that's 70 points. Then, can you get 10 or 12 wins from the backup position? It may not just be one guy, but can you get 10 or 12 wins from your backup goaltenders? And maybe that's asking too much, who knows? But if you can, like even if you just take 10 wins there, there's another 20 points. So your starter gets you 35 wins, 70 points. Another 10 wins, there's 20 more points. Now you're at 90, and a few OTLs, shootout losses... Sprinkle those in, and you're going to be right there around the playoff bar. So I, I don't know. Like I see 27 and a half for Pat Janemko. That seems low to me. I certainly think I would be taking the over on that one. Uh, look, I don't know what Thatcher Demko's win total is going to be, but I do know we'll be back with another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver next week. And by then, we'll be closing in on Labor Day. Young stars will be just around the corner. Training camp over in Victoria. Beyond that, we're getting there. We're getting there. Hockey season 
countdown is is very much on. Hey, I want to mention Trevor Martin's helping out behind the scenes this week. We thank T-Mart for his assistance in putting Rinkwide Vancouver together. And a reminder, Rinkwide Vancouver is brought to you by Bodog, sports, sports odds, poker tips, and free casino games. It is time to play. Jeff Patterson saying thanks so much. Appreciate uh, the support uh, all summer long here as we've been grinding through the offseason, but uh, the payoff comes quickly with hockey season just around the corner. You've been listening to another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver.